0: Washes us clean and protects us, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We give you praise and honor and glory. I thank you, Lord, that only the Spirit of God, only Holy Spirit, has permission to speak in this place tonight. That we hear the voice of the Holy Ghost. We hear no other voice. We follow the voice of our heavenly Father through the leading of Holy Spirit. Every other voice has to be quiet, has to listen, has to leave, but it cannot speak in the name of Jesus. Wherever people are listening, Father, we silence the voices around them. And we say that they can hear clearly what the Father has to say today. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. and Amen. Amen. So thank you, ladies. Amen. That was good. Amen. We're warming up for our conference. Guys, it, I forgot to say show something you've never seen. Let us hear something you've never heard. But we ask for it, God, because this topic I have never heard before. We'll find out what it says. <laughs> but um, it's exciting. Thank you, Miss Kelly. That was perfect. Um, we are getting ready for next level stuff. Amen. I have to lower me just a little bit but uh are you guys preparing yourselves i did a whole video today telling people to prepare themselves (laughs) um but the way you want to do this is you know when they prepare soil for planting that you know after every um i forgot who i was telling this but when you um sometimes when you clear weeds out i remember when you clear weeds out it's not, um, don't clear this weed out and then you put a seed in and clear this weed out and put a seed in. Um, clear the weeds out and then you plant. You know? So you don't be so concerned about what you're going to replace what you're taking out with. Yes. First, clear the weeds out. Like, get yourself prepared. Like, the best way to do it is to worship and praise and read the word. Like, don't be concerned about getting stuff out of you don't know what's in there. Just, just worship and praise and read. And the Holy Spirit will start showing you things and when he shows you things you want to pay attention because those are the things that attention right so um so i just want you guys to be prepared i i i want you to receive a lot from this you know ministry that's coming because you're here (laughs) so um i'm a little biased that way because we have many, most of the people are coming from outside of here, and that is amazing and awesome. And I also want you guys, though, to get the best out of it. man. So plan for that. Don't, let, don't leave anything on the table. So today, the topic is, can God spoon Can God spoon That's a good question, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so um, we need to find out what God wants to do us, <laughs> because first, get um, our permission, and then, uh, then we'll know it's Him. And he, from a, I think the monitors might be on. You want to turn them off. Probably won't echo back. Um, so. The question comes with this. There's a difference in being fed and having food laid out in front of you. Right? So you could have could be brought somewhere. You could be brought to a restaurant and they could have a buffet. And um, whoever brings you there, the assumption is you're going to eat. Right? But you could go there and not eat. But if God were to feed us, then it's an intentional thing. That means we, right there feeding us, are we going to eat or not? And But the question first is, can he feed us? Same thing? If he can't feed us, then who is feeding us and where are we getting our nourishment from? Because we're nourishing ourselves with something. So... Look at your life. We have spirit, soul, and body. Soul and body. And if we're not careful, we are getting we are getting fed, not if we're not careful, we are getting fed, but the question is who is so you need to find out the who right here. Okay? And is it biblical for God to spoon feed us? Well, let's find out, shall we? I'd like to know. Uh, <laughs> let's go to John 21 and starting from 15. The book of John. Now, you remember that Jesus said he doesn't do anything, he doesn't feed the Father, right? So we know what Jesus is doing, on, or what Jesus did on earth was an example of what we can do. Actually, it's a, it's an example of the least we can do. Because he said, greater works than these shall you do also. Right? So what Jesus did and what we read about, it's the least you're capable of doing. Isn't that amazing? Okay. So this is... Um, after the resurrection and Jesus was carrying the people and then he verse 15 it picks up that Jesus had breakfast with Peter and when with with they had breakfast so he was with Peter in a group of the disciples and he said Simon son of Jonah do you burn with love for me more than these This is the Passion translation it says burn with love for me more than these? Peter answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. Then take care of my lambs, Jesus said. And Jesus repeated the question uh, the question the second time. Son of Jonah, do you burn with love for me? He said, Yes. And then he said, Take care of my sheep. And then he said the third time, yes, do you burn with love for me? And then, I'm way down here, um, and then he said like verse 17. Then Jesus replied, feed my lamb. Peter, listen, when you were younger you made your own choices, and you went where you pleased. But one day when you are old, others will tie you up and escort you wherever you would not choose to go, and you will spread out your arms. And so he told him all the things that will happen to him. But before that, Jesus' instruction to Peter was to feed the lamb. The lamb, right? And Jesus was doing just that when he was training the disciples. See, when he was... And so this is how... Like, Jesus didn't tell him what to feed them. He didn't say, give them fish and bread. He said, feed my lamb. So Peter knew what Jesus wanted him to feed them. Right? So what was the first thing Peter fed... After the Holy Spirit fell, and Peter got up and spoke, right, and he explained what it was. He Explained the whole thing. This, he introduced the Holy Spirit to the people. That was the first feeding. Yes, it was the Holy Ghost. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they, the first, the, he started telling them the gospel. The Holy Ghost fell. They went out with everybody strong. That was out there that was saved already. So the people not saved were fed the gospel. And then they became part of the church. What do you think happened to them? Don't you think the Holy Ghost came on them too? Right? So look how quick that happened. But it's because Peter followed the instruction to feed my lamb, the baby ones, feed them. But look at how quick they went from salvation to spirit filled when they were fed. So, so God wants to spoon feed you. That's the instruction he gave me today to tell you. He wants to spoon. So I think what happened is some people got saved and they never ate. Right? So there's a big deficiency happening. There's a nutritional deficiency happening in us because there are certain things that have to be spoon fed. Like look how long Peter preached. Read it in Acts 2. He, he went from the, from the basic foundation all the way up to where they were now. Actually, that would be a good spoon feeding to have the Father do to you. Just eat that food, right? Uh, digest it. And what he was showing me was we're never too old to be spoon fed in Him. Because there are certain nutritions we need that we, we wouldn't eat at a buffet. You know what I'm saying? Um, like if I went to a breakfast bar, I won't pick the cereal and the milk because I'm not a cereal person. That's just what it is. But I would do the eggs and the bacon because it's not something I would do for myself all the time. So I, if I were put in front of a tray of food, that's what I would eat, right? So maybe you're the type of person, you come to church, you enjoy the buffet being served, and you pick up the faith, and you pick up the love, and you pick up God loves you, and all that. And that's good. It's not bad. But there's some... Things you're missing that need to be spoon-fed, right? And you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what nutritional elements am I missing from my walk with you, with God? What is the missing nutrient? You know, human body, work, do things. Each of us might be the same. We might have somebody the same age, same height, the same weight. Everything is the same, but they might have different. Just having one nutritional deficiency could totally throw off your functionality. But everything else is the same. And this is maybe why you go to church or you come to church or we go somewhere, you see people at the same saved as long as you have. They're going to the same church. They're involved in church. You know, they're doing everything it seems like you're doing, but they're not there. There's something missing. This could be it. And it doesn't mean that you did something wrong. It just simply means that something, there's a loophole there that nobody caught to help feed it, you know, to help give you that, that small piece of information that's missing, to tie the whole thing together. But God wants to be the one to feed it to you. So the question you have to answer for your own life is, can God spoon feed you? And, and you need to decide if it's yes or no. And then he will do the rest. Right? And then we can go on now. So, <laughs> so <laughs> um, okay. So, one of the things that I wanted, I'm going to give you Proverbs ten twenty-one, And I'll read this to you from the Passion Translation, but you can look it up and put in your notes. It says, the lovers of God feed many with their teachings. But the foolish ones starve themselves for lack of an understanding heart. So what God's trying to do for us is not to have us have a foolish heart. See, when somebody doesn't know something, you know you know this one, how people are treated differently when they don't know how to read and write? They're a grown adults. they're standing there, people start making accommodations and if even if it has nothing to do with reading and writing okay you're having a conversation with them you're not asking them to read anything or write anything but when that piece of information is given the assumption is all of a sudden they can't understand what you're saying you spoke normally i've seen it happen people treat people differently if they know there's a deficiency in that area when in fact when they didn't know that they spoke to them normally they treated them great like there was no difference but once they find out there's a difference Woo, the switch comes on. So what you don't want to do is see somebody that has a deficiency or has a foolish heart where you can't see this the things of God. Right. So in order for us to give out something, we have to first have something. We can only give what we have. We cannot give what we don't have. An apple tree cannot give an apple uh, orange. No matter, I mean, who could like? feed it the orange nutrients of the best of the world, it's never going to produce an orange. Because the seed contains apple instruction. Right? And then uh, John 6:33, again in the Passion it says, the bread of God is the one who came out of heaven to give his life to feed the world. See that? He sold his life to feed the world. So, And, and what they did Peter feed was the gospel. It was what Jesus sold. The bread of life. And look how quickly they went from... And, and here's the other part of it. Here's something. They went from the traditions of men. They were in the traditions of men. They were following religious, uh, they were following religion, religiously. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Like they were into all the rituals and the customs and all these things that Jesus came to replace. And they went that quickly from all that to hearing, the to getting spoon-fed the gospel and receiving it. And now they're part of the church that was moving in in signs and wonders and miracles. They were the people in the book of Acts from the church. You see this? It wasn't the 120 that were doing all the stuff that was happening. It was some of those people were part of the 3,000 that got saved. See how quick that happened? And because they they got spoon-fed the gospel. So I would say to you, really, go back in Acts 2. Read how Peter fed the gospel. And see if there's any elements of nutrition in there you're missing. And take it. Ask God to spoon feed it to you so you don't drip any anywhere. <laughs> in other words, tell him to hold the spoon. That's what it means to spoon feed. You're not doing it yourself. You're telling him to hold the spoon and put it in your mouth. That some of the ways you could do that is soaking, you know, the whole where you just play worship and you just focus soak. Later, lay there, let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And let him fill I mean, it would happen so fast. Because think of the junk you know, you ever did a detox? Yeah, I think that's what he was trying to get over. Let's get him to do a detox. Get all the get all the worms out of the system. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And see, when God does it, he knows how much medicine we can take at a time. You know, he knows what we can handle. He knows what we're allergic to. (laughs) Do you know you develop allergies over your lifetime? Like, you might not be allergic to something when you're young, but as you get older. And it's all because of a buildup in your system that never got, you know, removed. So now you're piling Stuff on top of it and it's just causing this well God knows how to clear all that and you know why you'll be allergic to something in the word because you were taught nonsense That's right. <laughs> and so now you're having an allergic reaction to the truth so God wants to be able to detox you the proper way so it's not an offense right because if you if you take it if you have to take it yourself you run away from it And you tell your friends, well, next time. I'll do it next time. But if you let God be the director of the spoon, he'll know what to give you. You know what I'm saying? He'll give you this dose first, this dose, you know. And um, me, when I work with my naturopathic doctor, I want to get rid of everything at the same time. Your body is telling us no. Okay, let's listen for a minute. But, you know, you've got to be wise, right? So this way, when you come to church and you hear a message, and you see everybody's like, oh, my gosh, we got it, and we're all free. And you're like, well, "What was wrong with me? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. You're just missing something. That's all. So from now on, when that happens, here's your go-to. God's feet, spoon, feet, what I'm missing. Because I need need him to operate like a father that would take care of the nourishment of their child that the child doesn't know about. Right? So in order for that to happen, you have to let him do it. Not be the kid who puts it away and spits it all over. (laughs) Get half. (laughs) I because he'll have to come to you more anyway. You might as well just drink it and get it over with. <laughs> so, so you know, there are times where I go before God and I'm just like, what do I need to pray? Now, I, I do it often, but it's just like, or I pray in the spirit and I'd be like, I'm praying now concerning me. And I just pray in the spirit. And not about what I have, my job, my position, my response. I'm just praying about me. And then as I pray in the spirit, then the Holy Spirit can start telling me. Change this, do that, accelerate this, do this better, here's a, here's a concept, here's an idea, here's how you can make this faster, here's a system. But first, but as I grow in different areas of life, He can now give me new instructions because I have a new frame of reference. See, the Holy Spirit can't give me an instruction about something I have zero frame of reference on. Meaning, I can't connect the two because I don't know what He's talking about. So we always use this as a fruit example. I saw this fruit um, listed on a Guyana website on Facebook today. I think I, it's been so long. I, I don't even remember what the fruit was called. And I ate it as a child growing up. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> but I think it's called custard apple. So if I say that to you, you know, the Holy Spirit is like a custard apple and all this. And I'm going, and you're like um, lost, right? You have no idea what I'm talking about. Because you don't know what a custard apple is. Right? And so you can't link the two. So I can't teach you a concept using a custard apple because you're gone. There's nothing to be taught. You, you're stuck at what is a custard apple. <laughs> While I'm going on and on and on about what the Holy Spirit's like, but you miss what the Holy Spirit's like because you don't know what a custard apple is like. See? So it's the same way with our life. There's certain. Experiences we have in life, certain things we learn about the earth, about jobs, about systems, about processes, about the trees, whatever. Then the Holy Spirit can now link a lesson to it, a spiritual principle to it, to let us see how it works. Because remember, spiritual stuff is on scene. So he wants to hook something that is seen to the on-scene principles so we can kind of get the image and get the picture. You see? So we all know what a spoon is and we all know what being spoon-fed is like. Well, this is the picture. <laughs> right? <laughs> if you were a child in China, I might have to say chopstick-fed or something. How do they learn how to eat with a chopstick? i got to ask a Chinese family that. But I guess they'd ask us the same thing about a spoon. <laughs> in your spirit, everything should go through your spirit. That would nourish your life. But if your spirit isn't fed properly, it's going to affect the health of the rest. Right? But let's say that you get the spirit fed and you're doing good there, but your soul is, is fed live. And here's how that comes. It comes through the mind, your will, and your emotions. Have you ever met anyone that's addicted to drama? Yep. Like, forever a child, like addicted to drama. Like, every time you talk to them, something's wrong. Or they'll make up a story, or they'll tell you the dramatic details of a story, where the ending is great, like everything worked out, but all the in between. Like, it's drama, drama, drama. Well, in a movie, if you watch a dramatic movie, well, a movie that's a drama, I don't know. There's, there's always a break. Like, there's drama, but then there's a relief. Like, there's something calm that's happening. You know what I'm saying? But when you're listening to a person in drama all the time, there's not, never a break. There's never a relief. Well, imagine what that does to the soul. Of the person, you're just in it for a small time and you could barely handle it. So imagine what they're living in all the time, right? So a good prayer for them would be, "Oh Lord, spoon feed them the Bible, detox, detox." But what needs to happen is there needs to be a calming of the mind, right? Because all this ha- is the soul realm. The emotions are all the soul realm, but the mind has to get fed some nourishment. The mind is missing something. And what it's missing is the Word of God. See, if you look at a drama situation, I mean, you've seen a lot of movies. They try to do drama at Hallmark. It's hilarious. But if you, you see a real drama, right? There's, if you look at it, there's always a miscommunication somewhere. Every dramatic movie, every drama is set up with a miscommunication of information. That's really what it comes down to. And so it all gets pent up, and then all of a sudden, all the information gets found, and the drama is over. Everybody's happy, happy ending, we're good. Well, imagine living a life where you're constantly missing information. Right? So then there's nothing ever resolved. That has to be tormented. Right? So it's, it's kind of like, well, it's like when you're being told how to be good and be this and be that and that and that and that, but you never reach, never get there. Well, that's drama. Because you're missing information.
1: <laughs>
0: because guess what? Jesus himself wouldn't take the good label. Remember? He said, called my father is good. Remember, he said, don't call me that, right? So, so you're missing some information by having to be good all the time. Because our version of good and God's version of good are two different things. We need to be obedient to God all the time. That's the requirement. It's not to be good. To be good is man's version of not being disobedient to God. But that's a disobedient instruction. <laughs> to tell people they have to be good is not a, an instruction from God. The Bible says do good, right? Meaning Do good work, like be kind to people, serve people. If you have something that someone needs, don't tell them, come back tomorrow and then I'll give it to you. That's power and control. If you have it in your hand and they need it, you give it to them. You're done. They're done with the problem and you're done with the obligation to them. You give it to them. But when you say, well, maybe I'll help you, maybe I will just come back tomorrow and make my decision. That's power and control. That's not God. So, don't let people do that to you, sir. Tell them, thanks. That's okay. I'll find help somewhere else. Thank you. I do that all the time. I don't let people power and control me. learned that a long time ago. Uh, so freeing. So freeing! <laughs> when people don't get to um, tell you how to do something. Right? Which has been pointed out as my biggest flaw sometimes from people. And that's why I don't do it right. Anyway. I digress. So, yeah. <laughs> so what you want to do is, we had a president that used to do that all the time. He probably still is our president. Behind um, I digress again. <laughs> I'm prepping for next month. <laughs> so our bodies will show what is missing over here. That's the only way we'll know. Right? Is our bodies will show. Meaning, you'll be on, um, you know, you won't be able to rest. You'll be um, upset. You'll be offended. All those emo- uh, offense, hurt, pain, all these things, they come out here. You think you're hiding them here or here, but they're here. The world is the mirror. Don't see. Right? It's the the one-way mirror. They see you, but you don't see them. Right? So, when our bodies are not behaving properly, we need to find out what's going on over here. Because remember the verse? I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So, if your soul is this here, this is not a one-time thing. We don't eat one meal when we're born. Mama nurses us. That nursing milk, that's all we need for life. We can live forever now. This isn't, even Adam and Eve had to eat. Remember, God created the Garden of Eden and said, I give you all the plants there for your food. Well, humans require food. God made it that way. Right? So, we are constantly eating. And again, I'm telling you, if you're, you're constantly eating, where are you eating from? What is it doing? And if we ask God to spoon feed us, give us the medicine, to cure, the stuff that's going on that we don't realize we just picked up. See? And because it'll show up in our body. So I wanted to give you a little snippet about, I'm putting this in my next book, I'm writing it right now. And, you guys got all this? The lesson's pretty much done. I'll give you a little extra. God wants you to be spoon feds, but he wants to eat. Good? All right. Now, <laughs> I've done my assignment, Lord. <laughs> I want to show you something I'm putting in my next book that's going to be ready for the conference. It'll be your gift when you come to the conference. Well... That's the goal. I will be finished with it. It's whether the shipment... It's good. It's written now. I should get done by Monday. Maybe Sunday. Okay. So, there are defaults. That word is default. Defaults you should set in your life. And this actually goes. Right here, fresh off the press. It hasn't even gone to press yet. Okay. (laughs) This is the order in which I wrote this book, but I'll... The first one, of course, is God. God There should be a God default in your life that you resolve any, any issues you have with God. The default of God in your life should not be of whether he's real or not or is he good or is he bad or does he harm me sometimes or what is God really? That, that should not be your default of questions about God. Right? Your default about God should be God is perfect. God knows everything. God wants the best for me. Like period. Like that should be your default. So when the enemy comes to you and lies to you about God, your default answer is God is perfect. God is, knows everything. And God wants the best. If you just said those three things as a default about God, remember Jesus only answered three things. Remember when the enemy came to him? And he tempted him in three things? He had answers already. He didn't even, it sounded like he wasn't even answering the same thing. He gave different verses from what the devil was using. The devil used scripture against Jesus. The devil used Jesus against Jesus. This is hilarious. So... He, he gave him another part of Jesus that he didn't plan on because he didn't memorize that part of Jesus. So, um, he didn't even know he was talking to Jesus. Anyway, remember Because they had to ask who Jesus was when he was ready to crucify, him. he didn't even know who he was supposed to kill. This is hilarious. All right, so you set your default, your God default. You got to fix that. If you don't have a good God default, your whole life is going to be a total disaster. Okay, then you need to have a decision default. How you make decisions. If you don't have a decision default, everybody else in your life is going to make decisions out of everything. And you'll simply be a spectator for your own life. And then when somebody... So if you were married... And the, and the angel came to you in your room without consulting your parents because she was still living at home and asked you if you could carry Jesus in your womb. You'd have to say, um, Can I get back to you? I need to go ask my mom and dad and my soon to be husband. You see? Well, we're talking to women. You see how many people. The devil puts in women's way for her to make wonders. If it were your child, if it was my son, I wonder could could the Holy Spirit go to him and say, "Hey, Gabe, I need you to go over there tomorrow," and you know, could he answer? God and say, "Okay, yes, Lord," or does he have to go? You know, <laughs> I'm not 18 yet. I'm back with mom and dad. and answer for me. I don't think Mary was 18. All the records indicate she's very young. And so, culturally, he gave an answer to God that really wasn't normal, because culturally do answer to your parents do answer to the husband the first instruction of God bringing Jesus was breaking culture think about that like in the house of the home I mean he barged into the people's house and told the girl look God thinks you're cool you want to carry his child that God will find favor with, because that's what she said. The Lord God's found favor with you. You're highly favored of God. She wasn't, He didn't, she wasn't a good a girl. That's why she was highly favored of God. You know why? She give an answer and her answer would be her answer. Like, yes, I want to do it. No, I don't. She simply said, oh my, how could this be? I don't know, man. Oh my, you're telling me I'm pregnant. I know I didn't do anything. Oh no, no, no. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Oh great. Well then so be it. You see, he could ask a question, answer it. He could make a decision. Oh my God, for the concept! A human being can make their own decisions! <laughs> this is what you need to be able to do. You are a human being. You should know how you make decisions. Find out how many layers of people you have in your life that need to say yes before you can do anything. And start asking God why they're there. Like, do I have them in the wrong place? Because if a whole bunch of people are, are here and God's over here waiting on your yes because you got to go through all these people, something's wrong. Your decision making process is messed up. Okay? So the question is who's voice? has the number one spot in influencing your vision. It's all about the voice. Okay? The next thing that you need to have a default on, you guys got that? Is relationships. For the love of God in heaven above, ladies, Set a relationship standard. Do you know this is where you ruin your life? Like this right here. And I'm not talking about breaking up with somebody or getting a divorce or anything like that. I'm talking about regular work relationships, friends relationships, family relationships. If, if any of those things are off, you're off. You're kind of like, you have to know who to avoid, what to not get involved. Like, it's just crazy! (laughs) Okay? So here's what you you need to have a standard for relationships. And your standards should be, should involve, um, the power and control models. Okay. So if anybody wants to power and control you, their relationship is way down at the bottom. On an as-needed basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. Like, you know, when you go when I when I want to do business with people, like they have to be the only person that does this for me to take nonsense. Like I'm a big, like I am paid when you service. Like don't push me off. But I put up with people a lot. The Holy Spirit showed me. That's another level I'm growing in. Like you really have been putting up with these vendors you've been using for all these years. And they really have been ripping you off. And I went, oh my gosh. So I'm finding vendors for certain. But <laughs> you can get really comfortable. You know? And, and especially things that don't happen a lot. So, and then there are certain people that do it for you. So when it's time for that thing to come around, you're just are too comfortable and too busy. You don't want to look for somebody else. So when we live our lives like this in relationships, then the only reason we would leave that relationship is when something really, really bad happens that you can't change or you can't control, and that's what pushes us to leave. But that should—it should never get there. You know why? Because you've got it up here set. So you have to decide what type of people have what type of access to your life. That's how you handle relationships. Right? Jesus had the same thing. Remember, Jesus taught crowds. Thousands, you know, all these people would come. But he never, they never know, they never knew the why and the how of many things he taught. But he told them to the disciples. Right? Because they would ask. But even of the disciples, he still had Some disciples that got more access than others. And all of that is based on relationships. And that simply means the ability to relate without offense. Relate without offense. I told you guys a story about my roommate, Gina and I? I told you guys a story about my roommate. God gave me the best roommate in the whole Denver. When I went to college, I was 19. I was a couple years fresh off the boat. But, as they put it over here, but I'd been living with my parents in America, which means practically I had no American culture experience whatsoever. I was living in a Guyanese house. So here I go off 12 hours away to college, university. My roommate was chosen because the uh, dorm director mistakenly thought she just came back from a mission trip from Guyana, South America. Instead, the girl came back from Ghana, Africa. So I was the first one to arrive to get the room. So of course, because I was the person to arrive and get the room. The, the the director of the home says, you only you have your pick, you can pick any type of roommate you want because you're the first one in the room. So tell me, are you a morning person? Stay up late? You want somebody that does this? Does this. I told her two things. I am a late person because I think late at night, I, I like to stay up late. So I don't want somebody that needs to go to bed early and wake up early because, you know, because we're sharing one room. That's about the size of the cove. And the other thing is, I would prefer not to have a roommate from the south because I, I will pick up her accent because I'm susceptible to that, and I don't want to talk like a southern person. I'm from Pennsylvania. Those are my two criteria. So when my roommate arrives and says, "I'm from, God, I just came back from a trip from Africa," she goes, "Oh my gosh, I have the perfect." roommate. sends her to me. I open the door. Her family's with her. She's standing there. and They're all staring at me. Because they're shocked because I don't look like I'm from Ghana. She opens. The, I open her. She says, ha! And I went, oh my gosh. I was shocked because she's from the South. I'm like, he's from the South! He was right from right there in Tennessee. Two hours away. So she was shocked till Tennessee. And so, so, she was everything that I asked not for, she was. She woke up early in the morning. She had to go to bed by a certain time, which is done for the day and all this. And I thought to myself, if I had asked for who I wanted, I wonder who would have got me. Because it, it would have been the right person. But God set it totally up, right? So what she did for me was, I was. So, like, not, I didn't know what was happening in America. I, didn't, I wasn't used to American culture as well, you know, as much. So she broke me out of my shell. We socialized. I never saw somebody socialize so much. Everything she did, I would do because I, I would thought the first time we went somewhere, like, we went to a gathering, I thought she knew everybody in the room. I was like, wow, she knows a lot of people. When we got back to the, you know, door, I said, man, I didn't know you knew so many people on campus. I didn't. I just met them all tonight. What? <laughs> so then I learned, well, wait a minute. This is how you do it. Just go up and start talking to people. I started doing that. He was with me the first time I met Doug. All these experiences. But here's the thing. We were having this chat with two roommates in college, in another college, like a couple weeks ago. And then I I remembered all these. Her and I, we were roommates for a year and a half. And then I went off to region university. We had one fight. And she laughed because she said it really wasn't a fight because the other did nothing. She just went, okay. And that was it. <laughs> what happened was I was the resident assistant. So my job was to uh, distribute toilet paper and all that to storm girls and all this stuff. And I was taking 25 credit hours that semester. The normal is 12. So I literally had half hour free every single day in my schedule. So what happened is, I must have had tests or something that week, so the room was on my side of the room. I had stuff on the floor. It was a mess. So she walked into the room changing her clothes to go to class. We never had classes together, but we were doing the same thing. was hilarious, but we closed together. So she stepped on something, and underneath my clothes was my stapler on the ground. God knows how my stapler got on the ground. So, <laughs> so see, I'm hearing the back story now because we never, I never heard the story. Twenty-some years later, I'm hearing the backstory as she's telling the girls. So, (laughs) she stepped on the stapler, almost like, twisted her ankle, apparently. It really hurt. So, when she she picked up whatever was she stepped on, and she was so mad, because it hurt so bad, So she threw it against the wall. Well, as she's throwing it against the wall, I'm opening the door, (laughs) right? So, I just happened to hear a clunk. I don't know what happened. (laughs) And... She's on her side of the room and she has this look on her face, she goes, I just threw I just threw your stapler and I think I broke it. And I went, Okay. I picked up the stapler, put it back on my desk, <laughs> came in the room, asked how her day was. We got dressed, went to dinner. never we nothing ever came of it. That was our one fight. Which really it, you know. I told her I still have that stapler every time. <laughs> Every time I move places, I look at it and I go, you know, this was a good story. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep you. <laughs> but my point was that we had such a great relationship. And I learned so much about relationships from having that relationship. There were so many things that occur that I could have been hurt by and she could have been hurt by. I know. But we never, it never, nothing ever happens. We never said it, we never acted on it, it just dissolved. Because we both had the other person's best interest in mind, right? We were opposite in every single way. They used to call it salt and pepper. It was blonde, blue eye, I think maybe green eye. And here's the thing, here's the kicker. Her and Doug were the only two word of faith people on the entire campus. (laughs) And I had never heard of the people in the word. I never knew charismatic. When I heard the word charismatic, that was the first time I ever heard the word charismatic was there. And this is how, but because God grew me in relationships, I would never take offense. I would take, I would let somebody do whatever they had to do And I just refuse to be offended. Because I had this thing, I would say, thing I had growing up. My mind is too precious to me. I am not renting out room to people who I don't, you know, who don't qualify to be in there. Put it that way. So, because think about it. When you're thinking about people all the time, what they did to you, how they didn't treat you or how they did treat you. You are renting, they're leasing space from your head, And you are giving energy, giving your time and energy and effort. And here, what's happening. You start manipulating how you can get them to like you. Or to do what you want them to do. And that's going down the wrong path. That's a fast slope to disobedience. Because now they will control you. Because if you have this intention... I have to be able to get them to do what I want them to do. I wonder how I could do that. So now your intention is to manipulate them, to control them. Think about it. Sometimes people just don't want to do, even if, you, if you're wanting them to do the right thing, they just don't want to do it. God has a good experience in that. <laughs> even with us. Right? So you've got to set your relationship default. Right? So I don't take offense can't sell me offense I could be hurt but that's my human reaction to something so whenever I find that I'm hurt about something I ask God to elevate me so those things don't hurt me anymore like as soon as they're hurt you know then it'll be something I grow in I don't get hurt by that anymore yeah I use all of it I use everything I use things so I don't have to use people right Think about it. People use people because they're afraid. Ever thought about that? Fear is what makes people use people. Because why do you have to get somebody else to do something you want them to do if they don't want to do it? What what are you afraid is going to happen? Isn't that what it is? Like you're afraid something's going to happen. You're afraid of what people will think. You're afraid of what they'll think of you. You're afraid of what they'll say. You're afraid of what you won't have. Isn't that what it comes down to? You're afraid you'll lose them in the relationship if you really behave the way you would like to behave like a free human. So what if you lose them? It doesn't seem like they're adding too much. Or maybe if they're in your life, they're in the wrong way. You have them in the wrong place. Right? The third thing, and then we'll stop here. There's eight of them. The third thing is well, it's money. That's a good spot to stop. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you have to have a money default. You have to. Uh, you remember I taught this lesson about two um, things that the devil wants to control: is your money and your time. Is it? Yeah, something like that. Two uh, things. <laughs> he wants to control everything, but you know, if you give him, you've got it. You have to set a default for your money. If you have to make every time you get money, whether you pay tithes or not. I mean, seriously, right? Okay, make a default. Tithes is tithes; it's not yours belongs to the god <laughs> belongs to the lord your tithe, everything that comes into your life that is received says in it comes it belongs to the lord if you can't give god what belongs to him that he's given to you how are you expecting him to give you what you want from him like he, anything you've received from him so far is, is like mercy You know what I'm the money thing, you've got to set all and You have to become generous. So some people say they don't feel God's love. Here's a spot you might want to check. God loves a cheerful giver. So sometimes you see, God's love doesn't change. Like his his cold of love for us doesn't change. But our ability to receive it is where it comes, where that is. So when you are a cheerful giver, you will feel God's love. Because you're doing something that is like His nature. Not when you tithe. When you give above the tithe. So if you are living a life where you don't feel love, you might very well be messed up in the money department. For real. Like, as simple as that is. Honestly. That may be where your block is. Because you're not allowing the love that he has for a cheerful giver to come in. That, and so, and, and that is a direct operation of his nature. I remember seeing a smile on my mom's face. Oh, my God. I saw it Sunday when Grace was doing her thing. Exactly how my mom would be. When she would give somebody something, oh my, it's like she'd get all giddy about it. And especially when she's like sneakily giving people stuff. I mean, she gets even more of a kick out of that. Like, she would just be like all glowing. I could tell when she walks away from somebody that's leaving or going somewhere, I'd be like, I could tell, Mom, what you just did. She goes, She goes, <laughs> Because she had this look on her face. That was just her. You know what I'm saying? So, it, God loves that. He loves a person whose joy is to give people stuff. Like, they just get a kick out of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like adrenaline just kicks in. <laughs> right? But the Bible actually gives us instructions for people who measure what they give you, and, like, have to, like, ask, like, if somebody gives you something, he's asking about it, it's like, When you have handed it over to me, it is no longer yours. It is now mine. Like, that's the, that's the, you, right? I had somebody, I'm telling you, this honest truth, I just about, but I was being righteous. Somebody gave me a whole bunch of clothing to try on, and they <laughs> wanted me to try it on if anything that doesn't fit. Make sure you bring it back to me, and then I will decide if they go to Goodwill or not. That's what I'm thinking. So you emptied your closet, you don't have the guts to give, get rid of it, so I can't. So you're going to pass it through me. Give me work to do. So then I now owe you something. Because now I got to think about, oh my gosh, did I try on the dresses and did they fit? First of all, how, like, anyway. So, <laughs> I had already had this stuff put in the car before I knew all these rules. So I was gracious. And I was like, but I thought to myself, that is never happening. However, that slipped through the cracks, never happened again. So I think what I did was just can't bring them all back. That this is what wouldn't work. I'm not putting myself in your clothing when this is your, ooh. I don't want to hear nature in me. <laughs> okay? So if you are that person, I don't know if anybody here is, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying, this is my experience. If you are that person who wanted to change that nature, because that's not God's name. Everything that if you oh, do a search. Do a search on free and give on the Bible. You know, the online you can do a search on the Bible and see what comes up in different versions. A lot of things that the Bible says God gives us, it's freely. He gives us freely. Wisdom is given freely. You know, the, the only criteria is that you ask in faith, which is the currency for exchange. That's all it is. That's all it is. You're not buying it. You couldn't buy it right? But when you ask for it, you have to actually realize it actually exists. So, yeah, you can have it. Because if you ask for something that you don't think exists and you get it, you're not going to know where it came from or what it's for. This is, the, this is a, again, this is a relationship between us and God. It's not a power and control. God isn't dumping stuff on us and say, you better take it. Remember the people who got filled with the Holy Spirit? They didn't know what they were going to have. But they knew they were getting a gift. So they waited. And look how long they waited. Which proved they wanted it. And they didn't fight. They did not get into a fight. The people who waited knew how to have relationships. You know why? Because Jesus asked 500 people. He wanted a relationship like that with 500 people that he personally, personally invited and talked to. And only 120 took on the relationship. So they already knew how to have relationships with the highest person to have a relationship with. But when they got together, there was no fighting. Because they already knew how to relate. Right? So, okay about the money you should have thoughts about giving things away not thoughts about how you can things. you know people have thoughts about how they can keep their money or how they can make it grow for themselves <laughs> if I have that that's not the end how I can make it grow so I can give it away <laughs> my end is always how I can give it away See? when it comes to money Your final thought on it is how you can sow it. Always. And it should have a label. This is a seed I'm sowing. Because money is the the most neutral seed you will ever have. Money is is the thing you can name anything. But you see how the devil ruined it for you? To name it and claim it, people. To blab it and grab it. Well, they're happy. The people who give to their ministry don't seem to have a problem with it. Why do you, Why? See, people get offended when other people are giving to other people. They think that the people are being taken advantage of. Okay. Well, don't you think God's big enough to take care of any robbers in this mess? you got to get this stuff out of you. Wrong. have got to have a default of money. It can't be what other people should do with their money. Like if your default is you don't care what other people do with their money, you'll never get offended if someone is robbing somebody. It'll just be like, Lord, open eyes of people that need to be open. Thank you. You're done. Leave them alone. <laughs> Unless you're the prophet sent to prophesy, say, stop robbing people. Leave it alone. Right? Yeah. You know this here, we don't beg people for money. I think it is. It is a mar on God's image for us to have to beg people for money. Like, this is God's business. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> We've had people try to use money to control us. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Who do you think I work for? Not you! <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But when you have a money, fault already said, these things don't touch you. Right? They don't no touch you. I'm constantly thinking about money coming in for certain things. Has nothing to do with me. Always has to do with somebody else. <laughs> but that's just we gotta start thinking that way, right? When Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, he didn't think about it. he was hungry. He thought that the people were hungry, right? I'm sure he was hungry too, because he was there just as long as they were. <laughs> he was the one doing the teaching. But that's not what he thought about. He thought about the people being hungry. And the disciples thought about their limitations. Right? So, see. Okay. So, just not so we end on just money. Calm. Calm. Uh, Are you guys good? The next one is your conviction. So, your conviction. To get stronger in the things of the Bible and weaker in the things of the flesh. So when you were a baby Christian, you would easily get hurt if somebody didn't want to take you to church because you couldn't come to church yourself. And you'd get upset the pastor because he call you. Nobody knows you were missing for five months. <laughs> right? The baby Christian, it's understandable that your flesh was hurting and you for crying because you felt alone. Nobody cared for you. But 20 years later, you're <laughs> still having this problem. It means that you grew that part of your flesh. And you never grew the part of your spirit that says that, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the, ends of the earth. Do you understand what I'm saying? So your spirit man, in the convictions of things, it means when you're alone, if you're thinking of doing something that would hurt somebody, hurt you, hurt the kingdom of God, Immediately get convicted. Okay? your spiritual conviction has grown. Versus having constant thoughts of like how your flesh feels terribly you just want to leave this earth. Okay? That's a terrible conviction. Terrible conviction. Or you just won't do something because you're rejected. That's a horrible conviction. You're going to be rejected every single day probably. Something's going to reject you. Your computer will reject you for crying out loud. (laughs) to <laughs> not saying? So your convictions have to be set to the word. A good place to start is fruit of the Spirit. Grow in the conviction of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5:22. Look at all of them and see how much. When we're in traffic jams and stuff, and there's all this, and we're going along this, I would always say, "My patience tree is pretty full. Oh, thank you. I got enough for this whole trip." <laughs> you see say so those are that's the convictions you pull from right you, you if you set so the reason for all these there's any more but the reason I'll close it here the reason for all these is this when you are in a corner by the enemy when you only have one sentence to say when you have to think quickly all those scenarios if you set these things as default, this is how you function Boom, that's what, that's what will come out. That is what will come out. But if your relationship model is set to, because they do this, I'm going to do this to them, and who are just, like, don't live a life of drama. Don't be bad. You're going to have these ups and downs and highs and lows, and people are going to hate you, and like, oh, and then fear is going to come to your comforter, and, oh, it's so right so the final thing is god needs to spoon detox or whatever nourishment detox whatever you need let god spoon to what's missing get your vitamins up your spiritual vitamins you are you have permission from the time listen from the time the sperm and the seed met each other in the womb of your mother Wombs are only in mothers, by the way, for the world to know in case that message somewhere. Uh, you, right there, in the spark of life, happens. That is the formation of a free human. You, you are a free person. So for somebody else to make it free that's in self God God's order. Um, so the only reason why you don't tell your mama, first of all, a child gets what they want. <laughs> you know, a child screams and cries until you give him milk or whatever, because he can't talk. That's called a will. <laughs> that right there. That right there. Except when you become an adult, you don't scream and cry and carry on a of tantrum. You just leave. Wait. Say thank you. Thank you for serving. Goodbye. Go do what you got to do, and then you can try to figure out what's next. But every, like I look at my kids, i they're free people. I just got to figure out how to train them to make decisions. That's my job. <laughs> but they are still free to make decisions, and I should be free to help should those decisions not be the right ones. But then I got to ask, is it the right one because I said so or because violates God. Right? I don't think we'll have a problem with your side. Pretty much said on the <laughs> We should have to accommodate. Okay? <laughs> and this is what I told somebody on the phone the other day. They were asking for parents do you have any that we need? I said, No, actually, don't. I know. I'll talk to people. so but I do I say but I do know this. You cannot raise John the Baptist Right. 101. John the Baptist had to be raised a certain way. It had to be raised a certain way. Yet, the two of them were expected to work together. John the Baptist was a forerunner for Jesus. John the Baptist was so rough, he had to live in the wilderness, wear weird clothes that nobody else was wearing. Who nobody else would eat. He didn't do that. The <laughs> Bible said he went home with his parents at 12 and he was subject to all things. I don't think John the Baptist did that. <laughs> I think that subject to all things line wasn't in his thing. <laughs> right? Because he was the one that came out going, You vipers! Who told you to come get baptized? <laughs> I guess all the religious people. Can you imagine how his mama felt? Oh my god! He is calling out the main leaders of the town and telling them they're vipers and snakes.
1: So,
0: then again, apparently he was raised right because he wasn't afraid to do it. <laughs> you got to know when you got a John the Baptist and you got to know when you got Jesus. Not everybody needs to be raised to be like Jesus. Like our character and stuff, nature, we take that on ourselves to be like Jesus. Yes. But there are John the Baptist people. you got to know who you got in your house. I think I have one of these. So, we got to what we got in here and we just what we gotta do with John the Baptist or with Jesus <laughs> try not to let Jesus cry over Jesus too much and let John the Baptist stop calling people vipers and snakes we're good let's just temper down the message here he <laughs> only cried once that was one time well maybe he cried for Lazarus too I don't remember but
1: it
0: <laughs> wasn't a lot <laughs> okay so you guys learned something Get spoon fed and set up some defaults. In the book, I'll have the rest of it. It'll be a free book to you to come into commerce, obviously. Let's pray that it does this. It it's a free book to But it will all come together. I'm on chapter three. I think there'll be ten chapters. <laughs> Stop these laughing. I have a book writing default. <laughs> When there's four days left, that's when I start writing a book. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, any questions, guys, before we close up? I'm practical you are so you guys good? Nobody feels like I beat them up or anything. Don't go home and cry. Just ask God, feed me, please. Pastor Fiona, be on the punch me in the face, just give me some nourishment. <laughs> Father, we thank you for tonight. We give you praise, and honor, and glory. We thank you, Lord, that you are willing to be a father to us and spoon feed us whatever it is that we that we're missing, that we're lacking in nourishment that requires your personal input into us, uh, apart from what we can gain uh, glean from your word for ourselves through the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you will sustain us and us and nourish us, um, that we can grow strong and healthy and have good relationships in your kingdom, Father. In name we pray. Amen. Amen, Amen ladies.